Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy. Welcome back to Contractor Evolution. Benji and Igor here from our Vancouver-based studio. So when you think about the security of your business, a few obvious threats might pop into your mind. A break-in at the office or shop, expensive equipment getting lifted out of a work truck, materials like lumber, copper, even shingles mysteriously disappearing from site. Stuff like this happens not infrequently, but what unknown risks to your business lurk online? How secure is your IT infrastructure against cyber attacks? Like having a commercial grade pressure washer evaporate out of the back of an F-150 admittedly sucks. I know it's happened to me many times, but what if you logged into your CRM one morning to find every file and folder had been encrypted, rendered inaccessible, leaving your entire operation completely hamstrung? What if your AP person, without knowing it, sent 25K, not to your legitimate vendor whom you owed money, but to a sophisticated hacker posing perfectly as them? Cyber attacks are on the rise, and if you think your contracting business simply wouldn't be a target, think again. So our guest on the show today is Omer Segoli, the founder of CyberUnit, and they are our own trusted advisor for cybersecurity and IT support, and they have been for years. Omer is not your typical IT guy. Uh, he is really cool, and he grew up in Israel where he learned to hack and master computer systems. Now, don't worry, he only ever pulled some innocent kind of digital pranks before joining the good side, like remotely opening and closing your CD tray, swapping out uh, some desktop images and leaving funny messages. Uh, But through all that, he realized that hacking into people's computers was actually very easy. He was doing it as a 13-year-old. Now, after immigrating to Canada, he founded CyberUnit, which specializes in cybersecurity for small businesses just like yours. Uh, He and his team keep roughly 150 companies safe and secure in an online world that is becoming increasingly dangerous. Um, This whole conversation might seem a bit kind of doom and gloom, but trust us, you would rather learn these truths today right now from him then find out the excruciatingly hard way so today we talk about the most common and real threats to your business and how to avoid them plus he breaks down the what we might call cybersecurity starter pack that even the least techie entrepreneur could implement in a matter of days so let's dive into it with omer You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Omar, it's good to see you. Welcome to the show and to the studio. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation with you, Omar. We'll, um, I, I think we'll just start with this. Like this whole cyber attack, cyber security conversation seems to be sort of uh, trending right now. It seems to be increasingly common. And I don't know if that's just, you know, the media trying to scare people or if it's legit, but it, it's sort of like 
on our collective consciousness more now than maybe any other time before. Can you give us sort of a grand tour for us cavemen like myself who aren't super, super techie, who aren't deep down the rabbit hole on this stuff like you are? What is going on on the macro level right now that we should be aware of that might explain sort of the spike or the increase in some of this activity of late? You're right. Yeah, it seems to be getting out of hands. It's getting to the point where really, you know that cybersecurity is something that you need to be thinking about. And uh, two, three years ago, that was not the case. Let me let me tell you that uh, a couple of years ago, if I'd be talking to a business owner, a contractor, any kind of business owner, we would have to do a lot of education as to why you really need to be thinking about cybersecurity and the risk around it. And it, the tables have really turned, I right. will say, in the last couple of years. At the macro level, the reality is there's a lot of money a lot of money to be made uh, for cyber criminals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 really getting out of hands. 2015, uh, about three trillion dollars was the cost of cybercrime worldwide. Uh, by 2025, 10 years later, we're looking at about 10.5 trillion dollars. That's that's bigger than most countries' entire GDPs. In the net by 2025, yeah. so three years away. Yeah. yeah. So this, this is, moving is a huge industry in the upward direction yeah. at a very alarming rate. Yeah, 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 causing damage. I mean, we, we think about criminals in a, in a much more traditional sense, but criminal activity in the cyber world, you're saying, is a giant industry that's growing quickly. It's a lot more profitable yeah. than than illegal drugs, even. So the, a lot of the the organized crime groups, nation state actors as well, they're shifting their focus to yeah. cyber crime because of how much damage can be done inside of a company when you have a major like cyber related attack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And also how easy it is for them to execute it. And we can get more into that as well. Yeah. So you would think, you know, your typical contractor, a home builder, a landscaper, painting business, you you know, uh, I would be more concerned about someone breaking into my vehicle and stealing my stuff, stealing equipment, maybe them uh, getting onto a site before lockup and taking materials that we're going to use. There's sort of these like more traditional threats to a business's security that I think most people would be familiar with in the cyber world and the digital world. What is like the primary incentive that these actors or groups of actors have to launch of launch an attack um, in, in broad strokes? Like what are they trying to get their hands on a lot of the time? So it could be a, com- it could be a couple of reasons. One for, uh, for some attacks, they're coming after your intellectual property, right? Uh, that doesn't really relate to contractors. However, for, with contractors and, and, and similar businesses, what we're seeing is that they typically would be coming after your crown jewel. They would be essentially trying to put a stop to your operations and stop and essentially force you into buying your data back or buying your operations In a straight exchange back. for money. Yes. Yeah. So okay. they, they get your data, they encrypt it, they make it unavailable, they essentially shut down your CRM or your tech stack entirely and are saying, hey, if you want to get your business back up and running again, it's going to cost you 10 grand, it's going to cost you 30 grand, whatever, and it's essentially an exchange like that. They're trying to get their data, or they're trying to get your data so they can monetize it in some fashion. A lot, a lot of times that is the case. Other times, you know, it's 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 maybe using you as 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 a vector or a vehicle to to spread malware 
elsewhere. So yeah. they know that like your clients, your vendors are trusting you. And when they get an email from you, for example, they most likely will open it. They might even open the attachment more often than not. And so they might even use you as a vehicle to spread malware uh, to all your contacts in your mailbox, for example. And yeah. that seems to be very effective. Yeah. So, so I, I run, so just, just to clarify here. So the, the situation would be like, I run a roofing company. I've got in my system between my my produced jobs, my booked jobs, the estimates I've done and all the leads that I haven't even, let's just say I've got like five to 6,000 contacts between all those groups. Um, you're saying they could literally infiltrate our system and then send emails that look very much as if they're on our behalf to all of our leads, houses we've estimated, jobs we've booked, we've produced all that stuff to try to extract some sort of information. That's exactly it. And, and a lot of times it would be on your behalf. It would be actually coming out of your, your actual Our mailbox, yeah, your, yeah, entire, yeah. your actual domain. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and most, most often you won't even know about it. It's happening behind the scenes. All of a sudden you're getting weird emails. People are you yeah. know, responding to those emails or you're getting like automatic replies and you know, you're wondering what is going yeah, but on. But at that point it's too late. It's already too late. Yeah. You'd mentioned some really big uh, alarming numbers at the, at the beginning, like 3 trillion in 2015, moving towards 10 trillion in 2025. Like this might sound like a basic question, but can you just like help explain for me, like how the industry has developed around this? Like, who are these people? Where do they live? Where is this stuff happening? Like, what is the, I don't know, what is the typical day in the life of a, like one of these kind of shady hacker type persons or groups look like? Yeah, so a lot of times when we think about hackers, we think about you know that guy with a black hoodie. Yeah, right? in, in a case. I think it's some, somebody from the Matrix <laughs> or like someone in like a bunker in Serbia or something doing something <laughs> weird overseas. Is that the case, or is that is that just a stereotype? It is a stereotype. A lot, uh, really. In the rea the reality is, these people go. They wake up in the morning. They put their clothes on and they go to the office, much like we do. Hmm. They they go into a building, an office building. They're not usually working from home. Uh, you know, the, these people, ha they have actual this offices. They have cubicles. They have, they have VoIP phones sitting on their desk. And yeah, it's a job. They have benefits. They have right. all of that. <laughs> yeah, so they get dressed, they put on their sh nice shirt, they get they in the car. They have a card. Yeah, they, they, got, yeah, they, they get in the car, they drive card. to work. Yeah, they're, they're, this is legit. That's it. It's, it's yeah. big business. It is. It's, it's I mean, big business. There's so much money in there. It's so profitable that yeah, it really has become an extremely, extremely <laughs> effective business. business. Card. <laughs> yeah. So Benji Carlson, hacker. Um, so let's do a bit of a rundown, rundown of like the most common threats. I'm sure that there's a much longer list and we could get super technical, but maybe give us like four or five of the most common attacks that you see launched that we should, we should make our listeners aware of. Okay, so ransomware has become a household name. Everybody's heard of it by now. A couple of years ago, definitely wasn't the case. Uh, ransomware, for those who haven't heard of it yet, uh, what that means is somebody gets into your system, they figure out, again, what is your crown jewel? What, what is really used to run your operations? They'll figure it out pretty quickly. If you haven't figured it out by now, they will figure it out for you. They'll come after it. Essentially what they'll do is they don't necessarily delete the data, but they encrypt it. So it's, all, it's essentially deleted because when you try to open a file, it will not open. It's a corrupted file. Uh, there will be a, another file that typically they will add into uh, your, your folders that will say, you know, read me or open me. And when you open it, it essentially gives you a countdown. Right, a timer. 24, 48 mm -hmm. hours, you have to pay X amounts of dollars in Bitcoin or else you lose all your data for life. Yeah. Right. 
So the, the situation would be, so let's just say like 10 years ago, I was running quite a large home service company. We had a lot of crews doing four to five jobs a day, two people in each van, and there's a ton of vans rolling around uh, and they all use one centralized system. Like I don't necessarily talk to any of them in the morning, but they would roll in 7.30 a.m. They'd be in the van and from the system, they know what their first job is, the address, all the specifics. It was a window cleaning, gutter cleaning, pressure washing. And then they would do that job. They would invoice the customer through it. Then they'd know how to get to their next job. They, all, they would do all their job, like uh, like time clocking. They'd clock in, clock out. It's tied to payroll. All those systems could be shut down, essentially. Yeah, I mean, a situation. lot of times they'll come after perhaps one of those systems. A lot of times your files, your data, is in, it's, a, it's a low-hanging fruit for them. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But we're also starting to see ransomware in the cloud. So traditionally, they would come after your file system, your server, but they realize and they recognize that today, the reality is a lot of people don't have a physical server in the back of their yeah, office. Yeah, I'm anymore. using a CRM yeah, that so I use a SaaS. Exactly, business, yeah. CRM, you're using Google Drive, you're using OneDrive and Microsoft. And so they actually have developed techniques over the last couple of years that allow them to essentially encrypt data that's in the cloud. And right. the problem is, is that we're way too trusting. With these third parties that we're giving really, really valuable information to and essentially run our entire organization through, those are also, you know, just because you log in and create an account and pay them doesn't necessarily mean that they're 100% secure either. But this rant, this just going back to this ransomware idea for a second, like the core concept is they disrupt your operation in a way that is so severe that you are motivated enough to essentially buy it back from them. A lot of times you have no choice. Yeah. Yeah. So well, this earlier example, if I've got 11 different crews out, let's just say, right, who are producing $25,000 a day. Yeah. Uh, and they literally cannot operate. I mean, if that system got shut down in that earlier example, I said we'd have a major problem on that. Yeah. Are these, are these like, are they, effect- I'm just curious, like the business, you think of like, oh, we don't negotiate with terrorists. Like that would be one take on this. Do business owners cave to this a lot? Like, is it an effective route for them? Or is, I don't know if there's a percentage or you can just maybe give a, 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 a guess or just your, your overall impression as, as like how effective a tool is this and how often does it convert? How often do they actually pay out before that timer runs out? Yeah, so a lot of times they... they they catch you when you're not expecting it at all and, and you're not ready for it. You don't have backups. And, and like Igor said, you need to run your operations. You have guys on the field. Yeah. If, you're, if you're down for a full day, you have to think to yourself, how much am I losing? How it much hurts money? badly enough. Yeah. It and, hurts and monetarily, but you've got a major customer delivery issue as well. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You so, other thing you'd mentioned offline, which I thought was really interesting is, uh, so you talked about ransomware and then you, uh, you'd mentioned like ransomware is as a service. Yeah, so it's actually, it's gotten to the point where ransomware is so effective and it's such a powerful tool. It's really developed into its own industry. You can now, there are certain websites on the dark web that you can go on and you can actually get a hold of those tools yourself and you can essentially wage a ransomware attack on anybody. So this is like a digital mercenary. Like you could... I, I don't think this is likely today, but I don't know, maybe in 10 years it is. If you have two huge contractors and one of them really doesn't like the other, theoretically, I'm not saying they would, but the mechanisms are there so that they actually could hire someone to go out and do this dirty work and, you know, inhibit a competitor or, or some other stakeholder that they wanted to inflict damage on. That's actually, that's actually becoming increasingly common is what you're saying. It, it, I wouldn't be surprised if that's happened, but I definitely don't recommend to do it at home. It's highly illegal. Uh, you could also, if you don't want to do it yourself, you can hire a hacker that will do it for the you. The guy with the business card. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, okay. To be clear, that is not what we're saying. I'm not advocating that as a business strategy at all. I'm just, it just blows me away that that has actually become available to some people if they, if they were so inclined, uh, scary stuff. Um, uh, so what about wire transfer for wire transfer fraud? Yeah, so wire transfer fraud is another type of attack that we're seeing a lot of nowadays. There's a lot of money there. So, you know, uh, contractors, for example, typically move around quite a bit of money. A lot of money goes in and out, especially in certain contracting industries. Like you're constantly receiving from customers and you're pushing it out to everything from material supply, uh, vendors and suppliers, subcontractors, all different other types of vendors, whether it be a marketing firm or your accounting firm or whatever. But it's just a constant in and out of money. And uh, not only that, it's typically, often it's not controlled by the business owner themselves, right. rather an AP person, an AP an person, person, office manager, yeah. uh, bookkeeper, maybe even contracted bookkeeper. These are people that aren't like, they're doing this at a at high volume. Think of like a typical contracted bookkeeper or an AP person in house, if you're maybe a bit of a bigger company. Um, these people are moving a lot of money regularly in many transactions with a lot of emails. They're probably not hyper in tune to some details. And these emails, I'm assuming, like in, in the case of wire transfer fraud are not, like they're pretty sophisticated, right? They look like the real thing. You can tell the difference a lot of times. Yeah, right. and a lot of times they will actually, they would have compromised your mailbox. So they know, they can connect the dots fairly quick. They can figure out- When who's, you're who's getting these AP. invoices. Exactly, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, what, what's, what the language looks like, timing as well. And they'll actually sit there in your mailbox and they will like mm. send your vendor, for example, an email on your behalf, asking them to change banking details, for so example, to a client yeah. as well. And you won't even know that conversation is happening until it's too late because they, they know how to bury emails and how to hide things behind yeah. the scenes. So just to be clear, uh, uh, Omar, to define this, what wire transfer fraud is, is it's, it's someone pretending to be you or they're pretending to be your vendor, vendor. someone you do business with all send the time client. and saying, hey, uh, you owe us for last month's job. Can you send something to here that that's that's, that's what we mean yeah, by so that. instead of actually like you know going into your bank account and, and taking, and taking it, money out because banks are pretty secure I exactly think. right yeah you would hope they're so. getting yeah. you to actually do it you're you're taking the action and therefore it's it's kind of gone in the wind at that point that's it yeah so, your supplier bill your utility bill like and and the your bookkeeper not you but your bookkeeper just thinks that he or she is paying that yeah, essentially. So in the, on the sophisticated point, it's not like this is like uh, like the Saudi prince or the scam or the there was this, you know, the Nigerian scammer thing that was super popular at the end of the 90s. And we all heard about like these are not um, it's not just like my baby boomer dad who's falling for these things like they're very sophisticated, even a, even a techie person that's that's pretty intelligent and reads a lot and stays up to date on all this stuff, they could be fooled because the degree to which these wire transfer frauds um, are imitating you or your vendor is so good that it's just like e even a smart person gets duped. Anybody could fall for it. A couple of years ago, we saw an example where actual uh, an attack, a wire transfer fraud attack was, was, um, essentially responsible for uh, um, taking down or stealing a bunch of money from Facebook as well as Google as well. So, you know, very, very techy people <laughs> right. um, with extremely highly sophisticated security measures in place. Literally send money to a hacker. We're duped into, yeah. That's giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, yeah. Anything else, any other major threats that we should be aware of? 
I think phishing is another one that uh, we should talk about. I mean, everyone has heard of phishing by by now. Uh, a lot of times, uh, phishing will take the form of, of uh, coming in the form of an email. It can also be SMS, even even a, an actual phone call as well. But what it is really is uh, you get an email from someone pretending to be uh, your boss, for example, telling you to do something. Or you get an email from Microsoft telling you, hey, uh, there's been a, a, a unusual activity in your account. Click here to log in. The email might look like an exact email that you typically get from Microsoft or Google, Dropbox, you name it, and you'll click on it, it will take you to a landing page that looks just like the landing page that you typically would log into Google with. And essentially, once you put in the username and password, it's they have it's compromised. They right. It. Yeah. yeah. So that's actually that same same sort of like um, approach as wire transfer fraud, but different outcome. Wire transfer fraud, they're imitating something so that you send the money. You there. send the money. This one, they're imitating something so that so you, you send give them their password credentials. credentials. Yeah. And that and might then, lead to a wire and transfer then, fraud. Right. right. Yeah. Or and many most, other things. Uh, right. Well. Because ransomware and many totally. other things. Usually that is really the beginning of the attack. So like 90%, 90% of the, the attacks that we're seeing in the industry will start from that one email. Because once they, they they have the login credentials, then they've got an open world into all kinds of crazy shit. I mean, Uber, so, Uber for example, just got completely owned and compromised and it all started from, from one phishing attack and it just led into uh, just the entire company essentially being compromised and, yeah. and hacked. Yeah. So now, what about, sorry, sorry go ahead, ben, just going to say really quick, yeah. uh, in the Breakthrough Academy world, I've heard of this quite a number of times through members. This is a, this is quite a common thing, especially when you've got a team of staff, right? They are, if they're processing a lot of information, like a lot of emails, a lot of requests, they might not be they likely are not as attentive as you might assume that they are to some of these things, right? And they're, they're just honestly doing their job to the best of their ability. And you might be, you're driving to a meeting, you have a meeting, you know, you're set, you're with your accountant, whatever. And on that Tuesday morning, your bookkeeper happens to have just replied to this email or logged in or thought he logged into some sort of credential. And that is the beginning of, you know, what is going to come down the line over the next few months of a lot of really difficult stuff where they've actually fully compromised your passwords in your system, right? That's it. Yeah, a lot of times when it happens, you don't even really think too much of it. You're like, okay, yeah. I, you know, I tried to log in, didn't work, whatever, you close the browser. And then a few weeks later, all hell breaks loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. You mentioned like like there's email phishing. There's also uh, like there's phone phishing. So is this like when I get a, a phone and it's like, like, you know, attention, you are wanted by the government of Canada for a criminal lawsuit against blah, blah, blah. And if you don't do this and call, like, yeah, yeah. is that, is that, is that literally that, like that phone phishing? Yeah, that is exactly, that, that is an example of phishing as well. And then I also get ones via text now where it's like, uh, your Netflix account has been suspended or you've won a thousand dollar, like award with a gift card with Amazon, mm. click here to whatever. Those now, are, those look super sketchy though, to begin they with. Look I think super what, what we're talking about is stuff that is legit because they actually know that you get an invoice from GAF or you get these invoices for your company account for, uh, from Verizon or whatever, and they actually know the timing, the email looks 100% right, the landing yeah. page looks 100% right, the whole thing, right? Yeah, but you'd be surprised. Even even the, the low end, the low scale ones, they, they seem to be quite effective. People fall for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I wanna just talk uh, quite directly here to the business owner about why we're actually talking about all of this and why, um, you know, Benji, you and I talked a while back of, of having Omar on the show. Um, 
so we've been using cyber, uh, cyber unit for a couple of years now, actually a breakthrough Academy and contract revolution, uh, to manage all of our cybersecurity and, and, and IT systems. Um, I think that, uh, it is so important that as a business owner, you're aware of what can interrupt your operations. Mm-hmm. And, and we, you, you do it right now. Like we all do it. You're aware of like, if I hire this really crappy project manager, I could have major issues on job sites with our other employees. Uh, if we don't maintain our vehicles or we have like a really shitty fleet of trucks, we could actually, we could have major disruptions, right? We've, we've got material issues. Like you think about all these things on a regular basis, but you don't think about the downside of what could happen in a situation like this until it happens, mm-hmm. right? And a couple of years ago at Breakthrough Academy, I became pretty aware of this. I was like, man, we do so much stuff to mitigate risk in the way that we recruit, in the way that we set up our SOPs so that this, that stuff is done procedurally. Um, there's, all, there's all this stuff that we do, but I was like, man, we've got a gaping hole in a ton of our security, mm. right? Like maybe Benji's got a, a little uh, thing in his notes in his iPhone. It's just called passwords with all the passwords there, right? We're using the same password across a ton. We were across a ton of different systems. I didn't know, um, you know, we, we've got like 40 different staff with 40 different computers, like who's got a firewall, who doesn't, who's got virus scan, who doesn't, who's got two factor authentication and stuff. I have no idea. And then at the same time, I thought, okay, what's the downside and what do we have? I was like, we have information on thousands of contracting companies, Mm -hmm. their owners. We have a ton of their financial data that all lives in our system. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got their credit card information, right? So every business is a bit different, but the point is you've got a ton of valuable data. And I was like, man, this could be a total catastrophe if there's a breach, Mm -hmm. which based on the passwords that I know that we were using, the lack of two-factor authentication, the lack of of, of firewalls, any kind of email monitoring, I was like, we are overdue and ripe for something major to go down. But again, it's funny and interesting, like most people think of like the much more practical things of like, hey, well, what if someone breaks into our yard or takes the equipment out of the vans or whatever? Steal some Um, copper from the site. Totally, but just because you physically, visually don't see this sitting in front of you, because it's like, uh, that movie is it Zoolander? Like it's in the computer, <laughs> just because it's like in the thing. Um, doesn't it? The it potential does, disruptions the potential are just as bad. If, just I, as think, bad. I think if, if not worse, if not worse, yeah. If you, you can't run your crews, you could have catastrophic brand credibility, like a brand credibility issue. If you suddenly email thousands of people asking for yeah for certain things, right? There's just so much that can go wrong, and that's where uh, my initial reach out and my search to a whole bunch of companies, which is which is how we found Cyber Unit. And I remember our first conversation a few years ago. Um, I don't know if you remember, but I sat down and I was like, oh, there's so much shit that can go wrong. We need to talk I, about I all this. I definitely remember that conversation. Yeah. So anyway, I think that, um, again, if this is really, like if this isn't uh, on your mind or you're listening to some of this stuff and you're like, man, uh, I actually don't really, I'm, I'm, I don't have much in the way of, of protection on this. Um, it, it's probably time to make some moves because you could run into a situation where, uh, this could really, really disrupt your business and or cost you a huge amount of money. Yeah, and to Omar's point earlier, and I, I hate to be, I don't want to be doom and gloom. Like, just look at the projections on this and where this is headed. This is likely getting worse, not better. And so learning how to play some good defense is probably in your best interest sooner than later. Yeah, and you want to, and you, and you want to deal with this and get some of this infrastructure in place before... So something really bad goes wrong. That's exactly it. You want to be proactive about this. Yeah. Uh, we, and, I'm, we, and sorry, I'm assuming that most people call you when there's a major issue. 
That right? is it. Yeah. So uh, it, it does happen quite a lot. Uh, a lot of companies don't think about it until mm -hmm. it's too late. And, uh, you know, the reality is we get a lot of those phone calls and, we, you know, sometimes we can help. We, we love to help. But other times there's it's nothing too to late. do about it. It's yeah, too totally. late. So um, when you're reactive and when you're calling us after an attack, it can be very expensive to put the fires out and to get you back up and running. Uh, it could actually be a lot more effective and uh, just uh, just in general, uh, it, it's it's way, way better to call us before. It's just, it's a lot cheaper. A it's lot, cheaper. A lot cheaper. Like it's a fraction of the cost to get to get the measures and the controls in place before an attack. Yeah, th this, this is black and white simple to me. I mean, this is why like I don't think twice about like we pay a cyber unit from like a consulting perspective to, to set this up. We're paying for this software to, to be in place. It's, but to me, it, it is a total no brainer. It's no different than why you would insure your fleet of trucks. Really? It, it's almost yeah. like insurance nowadays. In fact, your insurance provider will want to see, and, and if they haven't already reached out to you, they probably That's will. That's actually a really interesting point. You guys helped us, uh, literally, I think in the last week. Uh, so we have like the, our annual general business insurance, which is, is general liability. It's errors and omissions. <laughs> We, we've got a whole bunch of components to it. And what was interesting is this year for the very first time, we've had so many renewals. It's the same thing, you know, every, it's like end of September now. Um, and this year there was a cyber, a mandatory cybersecurity questionnaire for them to understand what the levels of our different cybersecurity are. And that's what I think you helped us with. Yeah. But again, it just goes to show what you were talking about, that uh, even insurance providers are very aware of this and, and they're judging your risk yeah. based on what you do or don't have in place. Insurance companies are pretty smart. If they're asking for that in clauses of contracts and asking totally. for questionnaires, there's, gotta be a reason there's why. probably a reason why. Uh, they've yeah. been losing a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, because of cyber attacks is the reality. And, and we're getting a lot of companies reaching out to us nowadays, sending us that, that same form that you, you guys sent us and asking us, you know, how do we fill it in? Yeah. And a lot of times uh, they, they would have maybe sent it to the insurance provider or to the broker and it comes back with a rejection letter on it, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, definitely something to think about. Uh, and it ha if it hasn't come up yet uh, with your insurance provider, it probably will. Yeah. So um, I'm curious if there's things that you see really commonly out there in your work, especially with small business owners in particular, rather than just individuals. But uh, what do you see entrepreneurs, leaders of businesses do that just like drives you see red that makes you kind of go, oh no, no, no. Like what are the huge red flags? There's a number of them. Uh, one that comes to mind right away is is Apple devices. A lot of people have that misconception that, hey, I got a Mac, it's bulletproof. Right. I don't need an antivirus. I don't need to think about security. But the reality is hackers are aware of that misconception. And so they're actually targeting Apple devices quite heavily nowadays. And just to confirm, it's completely not true, right? Like I, I've, got a, I've got a MacBook Pro, I've got an iPad, I have an iPhone. Like none of those devices are like, they're the first furthest from bulletproof, right? Just in themselves or the way they come out of the box. Is that fair to say? Yeah, nothing is bulletproof anymore. Yeah, right. I don't know where that came from. Like it was maybe some some early days marketing of Mac that way was back. effective or something. I but I remember as a probably kid. Probably from the 80s or 90s, yeah. I remember as a kid getting my first ever MacBook and sort of being like, oh yeah, it's a Mac. Like doesn't get viruses. And yeah, for some reason, it was a long time ago. I, I haven't seen it on any marketing collateral or, you know, any apps. Yeah, societally, yeah. that's kind of carried yeah, on. Yeah. yeah, it's just kind of carried on. So yeah, that's that's big one for uh, that we're seeing nowadays. A lot of companies after an attack will come to us and, and you know, uh, Apple, 
mobile devices everywhere and they're surprised that they got hacked. Mm -hmm. uh, or, you know, even react, uh, you know, proactively they'll come to us and want help and we're coming in and we're seeing that like, they're all, they're all Apple, but like little to no security yeah. whatsoever. And it's just, it's low hanging fruit is what it yeah. is. So yeah. I shouldn't let my iPhone and my MacBook lull me into a false sense of security. These are just as vulnerable as any other yeah. machine out there. Exactly. What else? Passwords. Passwords is a really big one. Uh, maybe using the same password everywhere, maybe using a very, very weak password. Uh, oftentimes we actually see people writing down all their password on a notepad or even a document that they, they straight up will, will name it passwords and save it in you know, Google Drive or, or in a desktop. And the reality is, is hackers are smart and, and they, they've seen it all. And so a lot of times when they get into your system or your computer, that will be one of the first things that they'll look for. They just if do you've got that going on, you probably deserve to get hacked. <laughs> They get into your system and the first thing they do is a search query for files named passwords and there's the Excel spreadsheet and there they all are. Yeah. So that's a big no-no. Uh, what else? Uh, backups. Uh, we, we talk to our clients a lot about backups and you really have to be ready for the worst case scenario. And a lot of people are not. A lot of people are trusting, maybe over trusting uh, third party providers, cloud, SaaS providers, uh, CRM, email, whatever it is. A lot of times if you actually take the time to read the terms of use, they will straight up tell you that you are responsible for your own backups. They're responsible for certain things, but there is that whole clause around shared responsibility. Have a look at it or talk to your vendor about it. Ask them about shared responsibility. Am I responsible for my backups or are you guys taking care of it for me? So in those terms of service, those like agreements that you, you know, every, we all know, you look at and you scroll, 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 hit accept. Somewhere in that, you know, those long pages of, of fine, fine print that you just skipped over, it says somewhere in there, we're not backing this stuff up for you. You need to do that on your own. And I'm not talking about small vendors. I'm talking about the major Big vendors ones well, too. Google and Microsoft. They will, they, they are not responsible. So what, what you're saying, like, so we, uh, let's just say, so I, I run a landscaping company. We've got, we've got, um, email on like G Suite. We've got a bunch of our, like all files live inside of, uh, I don't know, Dropbox. You're saying that in addition to the regular like desktop to cloud sync with Dropbox, that I should run like a hard drive type backup as well on some sort of cadence. You definitely want to do that. Yeah. Right. Which is, which is not convenient. It can take a lot of time, but there are ways to automate that as well. It's not a huge deal. Like I know I have an external hard drive that just plugs into, into my Mac and it does like a time, it does like a, like a backup off a physical backup onto it. Just make sure that external hard drive is encrypted as well. Cause they, they do tend to get lost or stolen, of course. Right. So uh, you always want to make sure that, that the external hard drive is encrypted uh, with a password encryption. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, any other, any other huge red flags? Yeah. So with passwords, we also like to talk about multi-factor authentication or, or a second layer of, of authentication, essentially what that means. If you haven't heard of two-factor authentication, uh, you probably should be using it right about now. Uh, you put in your email and password, for example, to log into, uh, your 365, your email system or your CRM after that, to make sure that you are really, in fact, who you say you are. You need to be able to prove that. What they do is they'll send you a six digit code or your phone will generate a one time six digit code that you have to feed into the system to prove that you are who we say you are uh, because it's quite easy. Like we talked about phishing, it's quite easy to get a hold of your password. Sometimes you can even guess it. Right. And so uh, two factor or multi-factor authentication is an absolute must for all of your systems. Uh, think about your banking, think about email, CRM, anywhere where 
there's critical data or sensitive data about your operations or your clients, you want to have two-factor authentication, but ideally everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, we we got that set up uh, a little while ago and I remember kind of groaning and, and be like, oh, this is really difficult and I have to remember all this stuff. But I think we'll talk about this in a minute. Like there are just some really, really good tools that will help you have very, very complex and unique passwords stored. Uh, you don't have to remember it. You don't end up like me where like, oh my God, I've forgotten my password for, you know, my banking to get in. I can't tell you how many times I've been late on a cell phone bill because I've forgotten a password and then just been too like embarrassed that I forgot the password to get back in. So we'll get to the tools in a second, but there's some really great solutions out there to help you store all this stuff. You don't need to remember this stuff off the top of your head and it certainly doesn't need to go in a file named passwords. Um, what can you say about antiviruses and the role that they play or don't play? Uh, it's been a long time since I did any reading on this. Like, are, are these, are these effective? Should we be looking at them? Is that, is that a part of the playbook? Yeah. So definitely antivirus solutions is something that you have to be thinking about. Ideally you have that in place from the moment you deploy a computer or a server. Um, but you have to also make sure that you have the right type of an antivirus solution. So there's the whole conversation around kind of the traditional type of antivirus solution versus uh, next generation antivirus solutions, which is really, if you're using an antivirus solution, I don't want to name any names specifically, but you know, some of the free ones out there, some of the more common ones that we've grown to, uh, to know and like over the years, they are essentially almost, they're basically ineffective against some of the, the, ty- the type of malware that's coming down the pipeline nowadays. Uh, a lot of times too, what hackers will do is they'll straight up, if they want to you know, infect your computer with ransomware, for example, what they could do also is they, they could literally open up your antivirus solution and they have ways turn to automate off. that and just turn it off. Yeah. And if you can turn off an antivirus solution, it's essentially useless. What good is right. it doing? So Omar, let me ask you this. So if I'm listening to this, I'm driving my truck and I run a contracting business. I've got a whole bunch of employees. Uh, we've got a ton of customers. We've got leads. Uh, we've got money going in and out. And I'm listening to this and saying, well, I don't really have any good systems across my staff to be monitoring their computers, their mobile devices with like antivirus, the firewall stuff. We don't have any kind of password controller, uh, no to no multi-factor authentication, um, all this kind of stuff. Uh, I'm listening to this and I'm like, man, you know, I might need to be a bit more kind of aware of this. What should a business owner do here? Like what are, can you take us through a bit of like a cybersecurity, like starter pack? Like where, where should they even begin? Okay, so we talked about passwords, right? So um, this is an exercise that I like to do with with, with clients and companies. So um, you know, think about what kind of passwords you're using. Are are they more or less the same across the board? A lot of times they would be, and and they might be even fairly weak passwords to the point where if I saw one password, I could I could log into a ton of figure stuff. out the rest of your passwords yeah. and and work my way through your system and completely take you down. So the, the reality that we live in nowadays is you have to have unique passwords and complex passwords across the board. So every password needs to be unique like how and many fa- how many di- how many symbols do you, would you say is a minimum like characters 12, I, 16, I, yeah. I usually recommend at least 12 at least 12 yeah and yeah. a combination of everything right uh, you know lowercase uppercase alphanumeric everything numbers yeah. uh, symbols, yeah. symbols but you are not just to be clear you are not writing 
each one of these super complex, like password crazy characters down, like there's software to right. do this. Yeah, so that, that's what I was gonna get into. So uh, there are there are solutions out there, uh, essentially password management solutions that allow you to, uh, to be able to keep track of all those passwords in a secure way. And they also make your passwords more accessible. So a lot of times you'll have that, you know, piece of paper underneath your keyboard that has all your passwords. Get rid of that, use a password management solution and use the right type of password management solution yeah. that will improve your security, but also your productivity. Because all of a sudden you find that you have your passwords available to you on your phone. And, and if you need to go on somebody else's computer, there are ways that you can get a hold of those passwords securely, of course. And you know there are different types of password management solutions out there. There are some free ones as well. I do not recommend to use any of the free ones. Uh, the two that we typically recommend, one being LastPass, and the other one is one password. And there are a few other ones that are really good as well. Uh, but yeah, definitely avoid the free ones. I yeah. really like LastPass. We, we, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I've heard a few people kind of like, like, oh, this is complicated. It's really, really good for, uh, like I said, just like not being stuck on a login page and feeling like an idiot. It's also really good for team collaboration for a business in particular. Yeah. You may have a couple different like people on the marketing team, for example, that need to get into Canva or people on the operations team need to get share into something these, these So you'd have, you have the ability to very yeah. safely share complex yeah. passwords between team mm. members, but then no one else. So I'm actually, I've, it's not just like protecting yourself. There's actually some utility, some competitive advantage that I've noticed by having uh, LastPass in particular for us. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. Like it, it does make you more productive. You are totally. able to share passwords across specific teams in your organization. And what we've seen in the past quite often as well is that uh, there usually is that one 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 person in your company that that will have the, like the access to like administrator access to uh, you know your email system or your banking details. And and what you have to think about is what happens if that person gets hit by a bus or <laughs> if they have to leave you for whatever reason, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So with, with the the right solution in place, there are ways that you can get up and running and, and you know, really what it you comes control down. it. Like you have a master company account and then you, and then each staff member has an account, but you can shut them off or you can pull the passwords from it. Right. Yeah. yeah. But, but don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not all rainbows and butterflies. So you have to make sure that you deploy it in the proper way, because if somebody gets into your password management system, they essentially have the keys to the castle. So you really have to make sure, again, it comes back, it comes back to two factor authentication. Like you have to have two factor authentication on that's All, the second thing though. This is different now, less related, but different, right? Yeah, but yeah. I would recommend definitely do not deploy a password management system without a really strong password to get into that system as well as two-factor authentication on top of that. Just both to make, of those things. Yeah. You have to both, both of those yeah. things. Yeah. Okay, let me just talk about this for a second. From a business owner's perspective, it would be ludicrous for you, in my opinion, to, we're talking about using free, like not using this or using cheap ones or free ones. It's ludicrous to do that. You're trying, basically you're saying like, well, I don't want to go through either the pain of the butt of the implementation or the moaning from my staff, or I don't want to pay the, what is, what is our last pass? Like $8 per user per month. It's maybe, nominal. I don't know, it's it's something nominal. like that. It's nominal. In the grand scheme of your PNL, it's essentially zero. Um, I know what you're talking about. You're like, well, this is, could be a bit of a pain in the butt to use. We've had that from a lot of our staff when we implemented it. And I will tell you, it is sometimes inconvenient. So yes, I'm on a flight. I'm trying to log in and I use it for, for everything. I'm logging in. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, booking an RV right for this coming weekend to like a trailer to pull behind my truck for this concert. And I'm trying to log into this thing 
I'm on the internet in the plane and it's trying to do a two-factor authentication through LastPass, but I don't have the you know, reception on the phone, so I couldn't get in. So yeah, maybe that's a bit inconvenient. Or this morning I'm at the dentist and I needed to pull up the you know insurance card and I it took me an extra two minutes because I had to log into LastPass on my phone, two-factor authentication. So yes, I understand there's one or two roadblocks. However, you cannot let this little bit of inconvenience block your viewpoint on what is important for your business and what's at your stake. business and what's at stake uh, and, and what the right decision is for you to make as a business owner uh, as you navigate some of these. So don't worry about the slight inconvenience of two-factor authentication or having to use a password manager or your staff complaining because it takes them an extra 90 seconds to log into stuff once a day or whatever. That is minuscule compared to the downside risk of not having that. Um, I have a question about multi-factor and then we should move on. Uh, are there are, like, <clears throat> are some better than others? So you can, you can set it up so that you actually use an authenticator app like Google Authenticator. Another version is if you're, and if you're getting into Apple, uh, an Apple login sometimes and you, you set up on iCloud, it will be like, let us send a code to this other device. That's a version of it. The other one I've seen is uh, t- text message. We will text the phone on file a code and then you'll input it here. Is one of those safer or less safe than the others? Yeah, that's a great question, Benji. So actually uh, the SMS authentication or, or uh, the SMS option that you mentioned, the text message is probably the least don't secure recommend one. That I one. don't recommend that at all. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of times, even with banking, I find uh, it's kind of strange, but a lot of times you'll find that's the only option you have. So it's definitely better than nothing, right? right. But there are ways to bypass that. So if, if an attacker is really coming after you and they want to get in- Can they, they will, intercept text messages? There are ways to intercept it. Uh, it's called SIM hijacking. Uh, there are ways to do it. We've seen it happen. Uh, it's not hard. Anybody, the reality is really anybody could walk into uh, to Rogers or, you know, one of those carriers uh, kiosks and, you know, pretend to be you and, and essentially, you know, pay some money and, and the guy behind the counter will hand over a new SIM card. And, and that's what SIM hijacking is. And it is quite common. Uh, so for that reason, they'd have to be really motivated, but yeah, it, it, it is, yeah, it is yeah, possible. Exactly. So yeah, it is possible. Anyway, a cybersecurity starter pack. Let's get back to the question. Like I'm listening to this. I don't have much this in place. What do I need to be aware of in my cybersecurity startup packs? We talked about like a unique passwords, i.e. an actual password manager software tool. We talked about multi-factor authentication. What would be one or two others? So updates, that's something you can do on your own. Just like you're talking with software. Yeah. So keep your devices up to date. So not just software, but also hardware, like, like your, your wireless router at home or at the office, you got to make sure that thing is up to date. Your printers, whenever you see a pop-up that says update, for example, for software for Zoom, a lot yeah. of us are busy and you know you need to get on that next call, but it goes a long way if you're keeping your devices up to date and it your software like up to date. Seconds. It does, yeah. But you know, we're all busy. I get it. But yeah. there are ways to automate that too. And you know, whenever you have an option to like automatically do updates, definitely go for that option. But yeah, definitely uh, keep your devices, keep your hardware and software operating systems, everything up to date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because just to confirm that is because the actual software provider is releasing security updates as they find holes in it. I'm assuming, right? Like so when Apple's like, you need to upgrade to iOS 12.6 instead of 12.5, they've, they may have found like a security breach or hole in 12.5. A lot of times that's exactly right. Yeah. A lot of times somebody else even found it for them and, and notified them about it. And by the time they release that patch or the update, it's already, it's already been what we call exploited in the wild. So hackers are already targeting th- that type of router that you have at home. And so by the time that update is out, you need to you need to make you you need to make sure that you get on it as soon that as possible. It happened two weeks ago. 
for for uh, all, all Mac all Mac devices. We needed to do an update for that exact yeah. reason. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it happened. It happens almost on a on a monthly basis. Yeah. Google Chrome as well is a big one. We've seen that a number of times this year alone. Uh, you you would have seen that update option on the top right corner. Whenever you see that, please just take a moment and update it. Yeah. It just takes a second. One other thing that I'm wondering about, and just still in the starter pack thing, is uh, with with so much of our tech stack being in the cloud now, we use we would use QuickBooks or some other accounting software. We would have a CRM. We may have a project management tool. We may have uh, we may we may use plugins to that CRM for different sort of functionalities that we desire. There's so much stuff that we're kind of doing out there, up there. What would be? How can we tell? How can we make sure that these tools who we're entrusting our precious data and therefore the operation of our business with, how can we make sure they're legit and they're following protocols and they're up to snuff? Yeah, so there's a number of kind of key red flags that you can look for. Uh, one of them I'll say is, you know, a lot of times people will go for the free stuff and nothing's free. You know, they, they have to make money somehow. Nobody's gonna give you a free software or a free plugin. So if it's free, you know, if you're not paying for the product, you essentially are the product. Interesting. Right. So you have to be thinking about that. They might be mining that your data, your data might be used for marketing purposes or, or even more horrible things that you might not be aware of. So I would recommend to avoid free stuff altogether for your business. Uh, one other thing that you can look for as a red flag is uh, just the option for multi-factor authentication. If you don't see that option there, that usually is a giveaway that they don't have your security right. top of mind. And right. that's mm -hmm. a big one. Another thing is just do your research, you know, don't rush into it. Do your research and, and, and Google the name of the company, uh, add to the search security incident or breach and see what comes up. And another thing you could do is also go to the footer of the website and look what they're look for privacy policy, look for security, just make sure you're, you, you really are trusting uh, your data with the right provider, yeah. your right vendor. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're overarchingly, I think, you know, if, if you're serious in the game of business, right, and, and you are a career businessman or businesswoman, uh, there's like real basics. You gotta, you know, you probably know, you know a lot about like the technicalities of your business, but you also gotta know how to get an office lease. You need to know how to set up basic business insurance. This is just another one of these things. Like, like you have a duty to know a little bit, just some real basics on on cybersecurity. And, and, and if you're not, I think that you're exposing yourself to risk or if you're trying to save a couple thousand bucks on a multi-million dollar PL. It's like not worth it. Um, but the core point is you don't need to be a cybersecurity professional monitoring the dark web, which you, I don't even know what that means, but no, <laughs> sounds pretty serious. Um, what, what I think is way smarter to do, which is what I did and what we do, which is just reach out to a guy like Omer. So if a business owner is listening to this and they're like, ah, I probably have more holes than is good in my, in my setup, um, how can people get a hold of you and, and get a hold of cyber unit? Yeah, please, I, I, especially re, uh, proactively. I always enjoy having those conversations. If I, if I can't help you for the very least, let's have a conversation. I can maybe point you in the right direction. But if you wanna have a conversation or maybe a review of what you currently have in place, you might, or you might even already have a provider, but maybe you want a second opinion. Yeah. I'm more than happy to chat. So our website, cyberunit.com, you can find us there. Uh, book, a, book a meeting with us. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, we're all over social media as well. Just look for CyberUnit. And yeah, if, uh, if you wanna have a chat, we'd be more than happy to talk. Go talk to Omar if you're sitting in the truck kind of going, oh shit. That's probably a really, really good place to start. He's a friend of ours. He's a friend of the show and uh, obviously just chock full of wisdom. So thanks for being here, man. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Omar. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. 
Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit pcapainted.org.